This is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast, and I'm glad you're here. Today, we have Katie Hargett, and Katie is the founder of Fuel the Female, which is a nonprofit organization where she introduces young girls into the industry of motorsports, because Katie has been in the motorsports industry since she was nine years old. From racing quarter midgets with her dad, which she'll tell about that fun story, to being a pit reporter at Fox, NBC, she has been in the racing industry her entire life. And now she's able to take all of that experience and really show girls that there's far more to this industry than they've ever realized. And there are two things I want to call out about this episode that I think are really, really important. One is that Katie is discovering that life really is what we talk about a lot here in Reflection and Connection at the Badass Women's Council. Life is a breadcrumb trail of discovery. There's lots of various experiences that we pick up along the way that start to add together to create careers that we may have never even considered for ourselves. And sometimes making that shift from what we thought we were going to do into that next stage can have some challenges and some pain associated with it. And the more that we embrace this idea that there will be lots of experiences along the way, the easier it gets to to be curious about what's next. So the second thing I want you to pay attention to in this episode is the theme around connection because Katie is realizing that while she was amazing as a reporter and is great in front of a camera and with a microphone, the connection that she feels when she sees the look on those girls' faces when she brings them into uh, the Indianapolis 500 and sees all that's available to them is lighting her up in ways that she hadn't anticipated. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. Here we go. Hey, Katie, how's it going? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm excited to have you. So this is not your first day in front of a microphone. No, you know, maybe once or twice. Yeah. You've got got a little bit, bit of that uh, I've been a news reporter vibe. So. <laughs> I know. My family says my voice changes when I'm in front of a microphone versus when they talk to me. I have like this business voice, Ooh, I guess. You, got, you like the game face. Yeah. Awesome. I or love the race, that. The race face. The that rhymes. race face, <laughs> which is a great segue for you to introduce who you are and what you are what you are about. So I'm Katie Hargett. As Rebecca said, uh, I am an IndyCar reporter, but also a founder of a, well, I'm biased, but a great nonprofit <laughs> called Fuel the Female, um, which is a nonprofit. And we empower girls to achieve their dreams in STEM through motorsports. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and... You have been in motorsports for 20 years. Yeah, which is really weird to say. Since you're like 22 and a half. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, 21st birthday on repeat. Um, I started racing when I was nine years old and I hated it at first. My sister and I were dancers and my mom was our dance teacher and my dad would take us to racetracks and we would just tap dance in the back of his truck. (laughs) Like... It was that was how Put much out a I bucket was, for tips and yeah, be like, hey, exactly. hey, we should have done that. Maybe that would have like 
I'm, for, see, I've always been an entrepreneurial spirit. That's where I go. <laughs> Man, I should have met you 20 years ago. Uh, and my dad put us in a race car. My sister took to it immediately. I put my head down on my first lap and cried and said, it goes too fast. I don't want to do this. And he taught me a really valuable lesson that day that I still use. He was like, just give it one more shot. Try it again. Oh. And I tried it again and I loved it because then I started eventually winning races and got involved with Lynn St. James, who, if that name sounds familiar to listeners, she is an, the only female rookie of the year. And she has a women in racing driver program as well. My sister uh, turned out to hate it and she kept dancing and I kept racing. So what know. a great lesson already. Yeah. Just try it one more time. Yeah. And I did. And it was like, the tears turned into this great big smile. And I was like, oh my God, this is, that's what adrenaline feels like. And I've been an adrenaline junkie ever since. I love that. (laughs) I love that. And and I want to dive deeper into that. Just try it one more time, because I think we as females oftentimes don't give ourselves permission to do that. Yeah. I've gone through this really strange period lately too, where my contract wasn't renewed with NBC Sports. I've been a pit reporter for them for four seasons. At the end of last season, my contract wasn't renewed with them. And I was left in this like really weird, who am I? Mm-hmm. So I went on this like, just try it again sort of period. Yeah. And now I'm back reporting. I'm, you know, I'm not where I would like to be, but I'm traveling with the series and I'm stepping out and trying different things mm-hmm. and just trying life again in terms of like accepting that your job isn't really who you are and fuel the female has really given me that base and that re-inspiration to continue trying and seeing all these little girls who's well they're not little they're high schoolers but uh, (laughs) these high school girls whose eyes are opening wide like big as saucers when they meet you know, Lynn St. James or Kara Adams, who's a chief engineer, um, you know, introducing all these girls to just amazing, powerful women who have tried and tried again. And inspiring them to realize there's a lot of options in this industry that they've never seen before. We invited last, so the first year we did it was May of 2018. We did it again in May of 2019. 100 high school girls, the first time all IPS students, the second time half IPS, half expanding to other school districts. Both times I asked girls to raise their hand and see how many of them had ever even been out to the speedway. And it was like, I could count it on my hands, which blew my mind. You live in this great city. I love Indianapolis with this incredible resource of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the NTT IndyCar series with so many job opportunities and you've never been here. Yeah. So that was really cool to not only introduce them to Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar, which is my heart and my everything really. um, And to introduce them to women who have forged their own path Mm -hmm. because I mean, I have this, like powerhouse of women. I don't have, there is a powerhouse of women in IndyCar. We've got Kara Adams. She's a chief engineer at Firestone. She just won, um, 
Oh gosh, and I'm going to blank on the name of the award, but she's the first woman to win an engineering award. We'll, we'll throw uh, it in the show yeah. notes when we look it up later. No worries. <laughs> yes, perfect. Uh, Jessica Mace, who's a, the only female mechanic in the NTT IndyCar Series paddock right now. Kate Gunlack, who is Scott, Dix- Scott Dixon's fuel engineer. And if you're a race fan and you're listening, Scott Dixon is like a master with fuel saving and stuff. And I think that comes with Kate and how she helps him on track. And he's a five-time champion. And, and he's is, got more than one female in his team, right? Yeah, there is, in my opinion, by no mistake, is Scott Dixon a five-time champion with two female engineers on his team, you know, fighting for him in the pits while he's out fighting on track. And there's a lot of business articles that show that when you invest in women, the return on that investment to the bottom line of your business is exponential. Like, oh, and so he's absolutely. proven it out there too. Yeah. yeah. And I think the mo- more diverse a company can be, the better, because you get this wide range of ideas, this wide range of knowledge. Because if you just pigeonhole yourself into, um, you know, a friend of mine, like, and I like to joke, old white men, you're <laughs> going to get one opinion. Yeah. And that opinion is, antiquated and they only see the world from a man's point of view. And they're reinforcing each other's perspective instead of bringing new perspective into the mix. They've never had to fight for anything. So if you bring in an African-American man or an African-American woman or a woman, anybody of a different ethnicity that has a different background than you, it doesn't matter how you vary your knowledge or or your perspective, but it has to be varied Mm -hmm. or you're just in this echo chamber of lack of knowledge. Yeah, no, absolutely. A couple of things that you've said already, they're just rich to me. It's one, you're in this space where you're trying new things for your career. You're building on the skills you've already acquired and things that you love. But we have this feeling that we're supposed to have life figured out in our 20s. Oh my God. And it's crap. I'm so I'm 28, almost 29 here in like the next month. And um, I'm that person that at 18, I was planning out my life. I was going to be married by 23, have my first kid by 25. I was going to be, um, I was going to get the pit reporting job by the time I was 28. All this, so I got the pit reporting job when I was 24. And that totally shifted everything for me. Okay, fine. I'm 24. I've got my pit reporting job. I'm single. I'll be married by 30. I'll be having my, you know, my first kid by the time I'm 31. I was, I'm a planner. I'm exhausted by that already. OCD planner, right? (laughs) And this past year has been a lesson in change Mm -hmm. and how to adapt and how to keep trying because my dream got ripped away from Mm -hmm. me. And I'm not placing the blame on anyone else. I will take ownership of it, but it was ripped away and you have to figure out who you are again mm-hmm. and, and how to keep evolving and adapting. And okay, well actually maybe that wasn't my dream. And why does that job not align with who I am? Yeah. So what that job doesn't provide is stability and there's encouragement in, in some ways, but like a team atmosphere and uh, really nurturing relationships. Okay, so how do I 
change what I value to match what I do for a living. And we've talked about that before you came on the show is that it was this weird feeling where you got so much energy when you were working with Fuel the Female because you were gathering people and relationships and getting inspiring these girls. And when you were in front of the microphone, it didn't feel authentically like you. Although you have all the gifts and yeah. talents and you're doing it well, it didn't really feel like who you were. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. I love reporting because I love telling people's stories and I love talking to people, but it felt like there's something more. Like I wasn't, I've always loved to give back. Like even when I was in, in school, you know, we always did the soup kitchen at church on Mm -hmm. Sundays or, you know, I volunteered with girls Inc, which is another really great organization for women. Um, and I always, I loved it. I always felt there feeling like the most alive. Mm -hmm. And when I did these two events for Fuel the Female, at the end of the day, I was damn exhausted, (laughs) but I was so excited because I was watching these girls' eyes, like, you know, like I said earlier, wide like saucers. Mm -hmm. And I was energized inside to go do more for them. And it felt like, okay, if I get this feeling from Fuel the Female, it tells me maybe... TV isn't the right path. I love TV and it's a great path for some people, but it can start opening doors in other ways. And I think it's just part of my journey where stop planning, Katie, (laughs) the universe tells you things for a reason. Um, And, you know, a, a friend of yours too, Erica Ballard has told me many times, listen to the universe when it tries to tell you something. Yeah. Yeah. And you needed that experience that you've had as a reporter, you need that street cred to run Fuel the Female because that is going to open doors for you, right? So that's not wasted experience. That's valuable. I call it the breadcrumb trail of life, right? That was a breadcrumb that you needed and it's taken you to this next step and this next step. And, And what I want girls in their teens and early 20s and to, to recognize is let that breadcrumb trail play out. Yes. Enjoy the space that you're in. Don't get freaked out. I am 53 years old <laughs> and I am just now realizing that all of these other experiences that I had in my life from bartending back in the day to, you know, an, a rich career at Franklin, all of those are breadcrumbs that are leading me to this place where I'm loving my life. But if you would have asked me at 25, hey, what are you going to be doing at 50? I would have not said, well, I think I'll have a podcast and I'll start a company and it'll be focused on high achieving women. Like I didn't know to dream about this stuff. Oh, I I was trying to make that breadcrumb my bread loaf (laughs) at that time. Like I was, you know what? Dang it. I told myself at 18, this is what I was going to do. And I had the world figured out. And this past year, I don't have the world figured out by any stretch of the means. And I'm just really trying to, I still have those total anxiety attacks though, you know, where you're like, Oh God, what am I doing? And how am I going to make money? And, and, you know, all these things, (laughs) you you know, because life is about having to pay bills and, and doing certain things. And the other thing that I really have struggled with too, which, um, you know, coaching has really helped Mm -hmm. me is letting go of other people's expectations of what you are supposed to do with your life. society holds high. So I've got these two things that I really love. I love a broadcasting career and I love fuel the female. 
society holds a broadcasting career and being quote unquote famous mm. higher than helping other people. Yeah. So what is wrong with, or that's my view that's of your what view. society, yeah. right? Right. So that's my view of how society holds people. And so you feel this pressure mm-hmm. inside, like this elephant on your shoulders to pursue that broadcasting career and be that quote unquote famous person. Whereas inside I'm battling because myself, I myself am putting the pressure on myself to help other people. So there's right. this like tug of war going on inside. Well, you describe this perfectly. I say that there, we as high achievers, we want to work hard. Yes. But there's a difference between falling in bed at night, exhausted from striving, which striving means the root of the word means battle and conflict where you're exhausted, but you've battled it out versus falling in bed at night, exhausted from thriving, which is where you know you were doing the right things. You know, you were connecting and, and you're starting to experience that in the way it feels when you do those different things. So it's not about what other people think. It's how do I feel when I get in bed at the end of the day? What have I done to contribute? And I can tell you for those of you that are in this battle yourself that it is a completely different type of life. Mm -hmm. You feel so alive. And to feel that confidence and security inside yourself, and I get waves of it. You Mm -hmm. know, this past year, I have come from probably being at my lowest of lows Mm -hmm. to feeling like those waves of confidence. And you're like, oh my God, that's what life feels like. So for anyone that's in that battle right now, keep trying because- those waves are like, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> you're like, where Ride did this, this come wave. from? But yeah. I'm digging it. Yeah. And then you're you're going to feel like, oh my God, what am I doing? And you feel that, that sadness again. Mm-hmm. But it's the waves become stronger and stronger and eventually they'll stay. I'm a believer in that. <laughs> well, and your your destiny and purpose and calling and mission and all of those things come largely from the dips the times that it's hard, the times that it hurts, because it's in that space that you start listening. Because when things are going like gangbusters, everything's super cool, you're not paying attention to stuff. But when things are hurting, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this sucks. I got to start figuring this out. I got to pay attention. You, you, You went and found a coach. You started being more reflective. And that's where you start to discover, how does this feel? How does my life feel? Well, and to be honest, I had never really battled a hard time per se. And those are my air quotes. If you can't hear them, um, in my life, like we weren't rich by any means. Like I had a job all through high school. If I ever wanted anything, my parents were like, go get a job. But I, I've never been homeless and I've never not known how to pay a bill. You know, my parents, I have great parents Mm -hmm. and a great support system and my friends. So I'd never gone through a battle until this year. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe if I'd gone through a battle before, I would have been a little more prepared, but I had I had to battle this in order to find out what I'm really supposed to do with my life because I can't imagine, I mean, and you know mm-hmm. this very well, I can't imagine being 50 and changing this. My coach says, you're going through a, a quarter life crisis or a midlife crisis just a little early. This is good. This is good. It is good. And you know what? You'll probably have a couple more of these. FYI. And you know what? Then that's fine because 
well, it's not fine. <laughs> well, you'll but be more prepared. Exactly. Yes. I know that the waves are coming yeah. and I know how to deal with them better because I'm telling you, if you haven't been through this change, it's coming at some point, <laughs> but you just reach out to people, you reach out to your support system and figure out how to deal with it because it can turn out really refreshing. Absolutely. And that's where you're starting to discover what you're really supposed to be doing in this season. And yes. so, so you'll have another season later on that, that fuel the female will yeah. create for you, right? So you can start to see it not as a, I got to bake the bread, the whole loaf right now, <laughs> but I've got to just discover what this season has for me yeah. and, and what I can learn from it. And what I am learning is that different seasons are fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I like fall because I like the big, like the sweaters and the, <laughs> you know, the, the boots. I like winter because, um, I like to ski and I never thought I would say that until I went skiing a few years ago, <laughs> but I like to ski. I like spring because it's like new life. Mm-hmm. I like summer because of all the great memories it tends to bring. Right. So I'm trying to remind myself that, the seasons of the year represent the seasons of life and you can love each of them and hate each of them for a different reason. And a new one's coming. A new season is coming. Yeah. Always. Yes, absolutely. So a couple things I want to just come back to, because these are messages that I really think are important. Again, it's, you don't even want to have your life figured out in your twenties because you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And And if you choose career and choose things based on other people's expectations, you're living somebody else's life, not your own. Uh, Yeah. Well said. And one of the things I think is the biggest gift that my parents gave me is they didn't give me expectations of what I should and could do. I, I never had this pressure of, well, I think you should go into this career, Rebecca. I think you should do this. And for a while, I almost felt like other people's parents like were guiding them more. And like I was just trying to figure <laughs> stuff out and wandering around aimlessly. It was the best gift they could have ever given me because yeah. now it's my life. And they've watched me discover it for myself. And they've let me make tons of mistakes and been there to support me, but didn't bail me out of things. They just was like, okay, you're going to figure this out. And I think that's the best thing we can do is let people just discover this breadcrumb trail on their own. Yeah. And my parents never put that pressure on me just somewhere along the line. And I can't really figure it out. I just became this planner. And I think it's because I like control and I used to call myself a control freak until I had a great lunch one day with Allison Melanchthon, who is the senior vice president of events for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Oh, wow. She is uh, the only female CEO of a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. She helped bring the Super Bowl to Indianapolis. I mean, she is a powerhouse. Ooh. And I said We to need her, to have her on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. She's amazing. <laughs> the thing she says, I'm like, that's the gospel. Um, <laughs> The gospel of badass women. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And um, I had lunch with her when, you know, going through this past year. And I said, I'm a control freak. And I like, I like control. And being in television, you don't really have that much control. And she goes, no, 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 no. You're a control enthusiast. And I'm like, ooh. Okay. Yeah. I'm a control enthusiast. It doesn't sound nearly as... It's a positive connotation mm-hmm. as opposed to a negative one. And it it's okay to like control. Control freak makes it sound like it's not okay. And I shifted it to a positive as well. And it's a little different, but I say I'm, I like connection more than control. Because yes. I only have control over me, my thoughts, my emotions. 
And if I take those things that I can control about myself and use those to connect with others, to connect with my career, to connect, then it feels like I am controlling something, which is me and my emotions and my thoughts and my actions, but I'm not expecting that I can control others. Yeah. Because that's where the pain comes, where you're like, if they oh, yeah. just would have done this, if they would have, they this, they that. And I'm like, I got no control over they. Right. I only got me. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah. because I think that's also in this season of change, what you what people will struggle with is that controlling, a, not, a, hang on, inability to control others. Yeah. And you have to remind yourself, like you said, I can only control me, my thoughts, my actions. We had a guest, Joan Rosenberg, who wrote a book, 90 Seconds to the Life You Love. And we talked about fear And the way she framed it is that most of the time, it's not actual fear. It's not that there's danger that's imminent right now. It's that we have this, we don't like uncertainty and the unknown. Oh my God. Is this the podcast I told you about? Oh yeah. That's the one you listened to. I forgot. Oh my gosh. You took notes on that one, didn't you? Uh, You're darn right. I did. (laughs) So, uh, Oh my gosh, she literally just grabbed her phone out of her bag. Here we go. (laughs) I met Rebecca a few weeks ago and I told her, you know, when she first DM'd me, I I was like, you know what? I've got a little extra time. I've got my like, my usual suspects in terms of podcasts and I've got a little extra time getting ready. I'm just going to, I'll pick one. And I just so happened to pick this podcast that Rebecca's talking about. I would say that. God in the universe picked that podcast yes, for you, right? But yeah, I'm not going to yeah, go there just yet. Exactly. Keep going. <laughs> and I literally like dropped my curling iron. I'm like, whoa. Okay. All right. Uh, so in this podcast, Joan Rosenberg says, your harsh criticisms of yourself is because you don't want to be vulnerable. And I'm reading this directly off my phone because she I is. read these oh my gosh. so often when I'm having those down waves. Um, and you're trying to distract yourself from this unpleasant feeling. So your body is like hijacking those unpleasant feelings and you change your questions of, can I do this? Will I do this? You know, what am I doing? And you change them into statements. I can, I am, I will, I do. And that has turned into my mantra. I can, I am, I will, I do. How powerful is that? Yeah. Yeah. And for the control enthusiast in you, you now have something that you can own. Me too. Because that that has been me for the past year. Mm -hmm. Can I do this? What am I doing? I can, I am, I will, I do. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's like so simple. How can something so simple be so powerful? Well, that's the thing. We overcomplicate things. Yes. Always. Oh God. Queen of that. (laughs) Hello. Gosh. It's on my resume. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Bullet point number one. complicated. And so often when we see little quotes and little quips like that, we read them and we think, "Mm, is it really that simple? But sometimes it really is that simple. This ring I have on, I bought when I was having a bad day my freshman year in college. I'm never taking it off. It's from Target. (laughs) Target. Exactly. It is $10. It says nothing is impossible. And it reminds you. Never taking it off. I also wear this little bracelet that says never taking it off. Also from some boutique in California. Yeah. Don't really remember. Live what you love. 
I'm so, I'm like a sucker for that stuff. Absolutely. The shirt I have on, girl power. Girl power. I know. Like, as soon as you walked in, I was like, preach, girl. Yep. I'm I'm a total <laughs> sucker for this type of stuff. But it reminds me when I I look down. I wear it on my right hand. I look down when I'm writing something. Nothing is impossible. And our be- our brain believes everything we tell it. Oh and, God. Yeah. And so if you yeah. if you say. I suck. I'm this. I'm that. Your brain goes, okay, remind her of all the times that she did something dumb that she sucks. She just said (laughs) she sucks. Like it floods our memories, right? Right. And what those things do for you is it creates a mantra that when you look down and you read that for yourself, you tell yourself that and your brain goes, oh, look, nothing's impossible. We should keep moving. Like, right. It's neuroscience. It's not just Instagram pretty. It's <laughs> neuroscience. Yeah. It actually is telling your brain, we're okay. We've got this. Keep moving forward. Well, and when you're going through those seasons of change, you really do have to retrain your brain yes. to think. And that's what's the most difficult thing yeah. about change. And when you're in that stress mode, which our friend Erica Ballard talks about in another episode, you can go back and grab that if you want to hear more about cortisol's impact on your brain. <laughs> but when you're in that stress mode, you need things like that because your brain is just doing all this, what am I doing? I don't know, I don't know. And just to center yourself, to look down and read that simple statement on your ring, centers yourself and tells your brain, it's okay. Oh, yeah. We can take the next step now. Like those neural pathways are being created for you to think positively about this change. Yeah. We got this, girlfriend. Target, 10 bucks, <laughs> neural pathways. Boom. Right I don't there. think I don't think they still sell them because that was like 10 years ago, but um, I highly recommend you at least go look for it. Find maybe, something that maybe, speaks to you. Yeah. yeah. What, maybe I should put an ad for it on Instagram. <laughs> you should be an influencer for yeah. Target now. We're going to be shouting out. Yeah. And that's one of the things I work with my coaching clients is as we go and inventory their gifts and talents and abilities and start to dig into their story, I say, what you need to find a couple of mantras for this season. What are those yeah. things that you're going to come back to that even, even those ones that are quippy that rhyme, those are the things that get stuck in your head. And when they get stuck in your head, that helps create that neural pathway. If it's something that you yeah. just constantly roll through in your thoughts, that's a beautiful thing. Oh God. When I started going to coaching, I would just like, I cried the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what am I doing with my life? And she's like, one day you're going to come here and you're not going to cry. And I'm like, when? <laughs> Shout out to your coach. Cause she's a, a friend of the show too. Oh yeah. Teresa Sabatine. She's, she's amazing. She's um, great. And I met her through um, Terry Lingner, who is the producer for NBC IndyCar, who is a great mentor of mine. He's like, you've got to meet Teresa Sabatine. Met Teresa, therefore I met Erica. I saw you on Erica's uh, Instagram page. That's how we all, I mean, the universe has been speaking to me for a long time. (laughs) And that plays into our other aspect of what we talk about at the Badass Women's Council. It's reflection and connection. So you've done a lot of reflection. You are sitting in this place in your story and saying, what does this mean for my next stage? But you're not doing it completely alone. Oh God, I couldn't. You can't. I tried. You know what? I tried. For a really long How's time. How's that working? How was that working it, for you? Dude, <laughs> last winter, I mean, when like it was so symbolic that everything was dead because that's how mm. I like that's how I felt everything. inside. And some things do have to die and fall away. Yeah. Nothing oh my god. Wrong with that. Teresa has said the same thing. She said, You are the reason you're crying is you are grieving the death of the person you thought you were. Ooh, that's good. And I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna cry a little bit more. <laughs> And, um, you know what? So then I, you know, I kept going and then I would cry a little less mm-hmm. and then I would cry a little less the next time. Mm-hmm. 
And that person, I started to accept that it was okay that person is dying because there's something else out there. Because something in the spring needs to be born exactly. and grow and thrive. And, and you're, you're, this is neuroscience again. So your brain every day wakes up and says, we need to make sure she survives and thrives. Yeah. And, and in some aspects of that, thriving is the reflection of who am I? What are my gifts and talents? Getting control of that little bitch that lives in our head that tells us we're not enough. Like that's a reflection characteristic that we've got yeah. to go through, but you can't stop there. Then it goes connection. So the only way that we can really know who we are is when we connect with others and they can tell us back how our gifts and talents help them. And so I would suggest that the reason that Fuel the Female is so now in tune with how you feel and what you get excited about is because now you're using your gifts to connect with others in a way that you find such value in that. Whereas when you're reporting, you you know you're telling a great story, but you didn't get to feel the experience that somebody else had when they heard that story. Yeah. You didn't have that personal experience with it. Now you are looking in the eyes of these young girls and you're saying to them, there's a whole world outside of what you knew yesterday and let me introduce you That's to it. That's such a great point. I never thought of it that mm-hmm. way because like you said, Fuel the Female does bring in being able to tell people's stories and that's what I love about television is talking to people and connecting with people. And now I just get to do it in real life. With real people that you have a relationship with, right? So powerful. Absolutely. And and that's another message that I love about Fuel the Female is too often, as I said, we're asked to pick careers and asked to pick our life plan too early. And when we do that, we can only pick it based on what we know. And we only know a handful of careers from our friends and our parents and our aunts and our uncles. And when you open up their world to a place that they have never even been, literally, right. the, the Indianapolis 500, they're like, there's a whole world down the street from my house yeah. that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. I, I, if you would have asked me at 18, like, what does a nonprofit executive director do? I'd be like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So... I never would have, you know, I thought that to be like a volunteer position mm-hmm. and something you did for fun on the side. Yeah. But like that's a legit, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And it's, you're out there with a machete in the jungle paving the way totally. for people. This is not a path that's already been created that you walk down. You are creating a path for these girls. Oh, yeah. I didn't like come into something that was already established. This was like, this is grassroots effort. Yes. <laughs> this is the race fan donating $20 so that we can buy materials for the girls to build these mousetrap race cars that they built last May, which was really cool. Tell us a little bit more about the the Fuel the Female programs and, and how it's funded, what you need, what's your vision for it. Let's just talk more about that. Yeah, so... There's lots of goals, um, but just to kind of summarize what we've already done. So in May of 2018, we had those 100 IPS high school girls to the Speedway, and they went on a tour of the Speedway in terms of they toured the different careers that they could hold that women currently hold. So they met Kara Adams, the chief engineer. They met Danica Patrick, who swung by the suite at lunch, which was really cool. They met um, Lisa Boggs, who is the director of business at Firestone, and Jessica Mace, the mechanic, and Kate Guerra, who um, at the time was the senior manager of national media for the series. So all these really powerful women. And they would recognize, of course, Danica. They recognize recognize Firestone. Even if they don't know that name, they all of a sudden realize this is 
big. They're well, in, you can buy a Firestone tire, yeah. right? But Firestone also happens to provide racing tires. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of careers there mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so that was great. You know, that year one, awesome. They met all these great women. But how how do we make this hands-on? So I brought in IEPY and um, a woman by the name of Terry Talbert Hatch at IEPY. She was um, the director of recruiting at the time, um, the dean of recruiting for IEPY School of Motorsports. And she brought on her female engineering students. Oh. And they said, oh, you know what? We can actually create these mousetrap cars. So the base of a car is the mousetrap. And then you use all these recycled parts. So like for a few months, my living room was full of uh, toilet paper rolls and bottle caps and <laughs> rubber bands, all kinds, You're all a kinds recycling of crazy center. things. Yeah. Um, and my boyfriend was like, uh, are we ever going to like have a dining room again? I was like, mm, not after, today. After May 14th. Um, so on the day, the female IUPY engineering students mentored each group of high school girls to build these race cars out of the mousetrap. Connection, connection, yeah. connection. And, oh my gosh, you could never have asked me to do that because that is not one of the gifts I was given. Same. Um, and so it was just really cool for me to observe, you know, these... Because then they saw the career path, right? They saw the girl in college. They saw the woman who now holds the job. That way they can envision their path or what could be their path. And so that's what was really cool to me. And so was were there lessons that I learned that day that, you know, how we can tweak it for next year? Absolutely. It's not perfect yet. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect system. But we're on, I feel like we're on the right path of creating some really impactful experiences for these girls. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. What do you need from people? So you have people that are investing in, into this. What, what do you need? So shout out, you've got people listening today. What, yeah, what would be so helpful? What was really cool this past year is, um, Honda performance development really believed in, in what we were doing and they sponsored the event this past May, which was awesome to feel like, you know, some relationships that I had created through broadcasting had come with me to fuel the female side. And they, they believe in, in female engineers. They have a few, which was really cool. So they sponsored that and covered the cost of the event that day. But where people can continue helping is again, donating money because we need resources for these girls. Uh, We would like to do this at more tracks. The goal is to expand this to about three more markets in the next few years so that we can reach more girls. And that's going to come with partners. And if you feel like you're a company that encourages females um, to succeed in your workplace, how can we partner to encourage your females to reach out to that younger generation? Um, So yeah, really, really partnerships and um, community is where we can. How can they get more information about you? Super easy to get hold of us. Fuel the female on every social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at fuel the female or fuelthefemale.org. There is a a connection page there where all those emails will go directly to me and I will respond to you as soon as I can. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. So do you have uh, plans for another program in May here in Indianapolis? Yes, we would love to have that same program again in, in Indianapolis next May. It has just so happened to be on the opening day of Indy 500 practice both years, um, but 
would love to, there's no firm plans, so I can't say 100% yes, but in my mind, it's 100%. (laughs) We got to put it out there. It is 100%. Okay, put it on the universe. It's happening. And if you haven't been to the Indianapolis 500 Speedway, it is an experience you never forget. Oh my God, you have to go. I mean, seeing these superheroes, as I like to describe them, climb in the car and go 220 plus miles an hour for 500 miles, literally putting their lives on the line is just an experience like none other. And then you see not only them, but the five guys and girls that go over the wall to change their tires as other cars are speeding past Mm. them. And if cerebral stuff is more your style, well, think about the strategists that are on the stands deciding, okay, when is the best time for us to pit for fuel and take tires? So there's always that math and science part as well as just the the pure bravery. So there's something for everybody. And that's such an important message because if you've grown up around Indianapolis, a lot of the marketing that goes out about the Speedway is it's snake pit, it's a big party. (laughs) Yeah, so partying's your style too? That's all happening too. Like I've I've participated in that aspect of the track. (laughs) No shame, no shade. But it is all of those things that you just talked about. I had the unique opportunity as a high school student. I it just so happened the guy I was dating, his his family had uh, somebody that was in racing and I got to sit in a car on oh, pit cool. row on one of the practice days and just be in that vibe that you're talking oh, about. Yeah. And it is so inspiring when you see those teams working together, you see the camaraderie, you see the relationships, you see their passion. Like you can't, I mean, I was 17 years old and I still walked away feeling that sense of just passionate pursuit. Yeah. It's addicting. I mean, I, the first time I showed up at the Indianapolis 500, I was like, all right, never leaving. Like that's, it gets in your blood. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, literally it's a drug like in it's a healthy drug. So I'll stay hooked on that. I was going to say, I'm not going to make the correlation between the, you know, there might be drugs there too, because that, we no, don't there are that no that. drugs there. <laughs> I mean that it's, I choose that as my drug. Oh, I take a really good point and I have to just make it messy. Sorry about that. No. But it is, it, it's an amazing experience. You have to go at least once. Just oh the people yeah. watching in general is just fabulous. Well, here's the theme. Give it a try. I feel like we keep saying that yes. over and over. Just give it, a, give it a shot. It's, it's really cool. If partying's your thing, you can get it there. If cerebral, cerebral is your thing, you can get it there. Adrenaline, you get it there. It's something literally for anyone. Just the start of the race with the the pomp and circumstance of oh that whole thing. I, I I have chills thinking about it, it right now. Yeah, so cool. To, so also part of my job is being on the public address system for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. <sighs> and people ask me, what the highlight of my broadcasting career is. I, on race day, do interviews from Victory Podium and from around the track. And I have this really great picture too um, that one of the photographers took, but I was standing on Victory Podium getting ready to do one of my interviews. And I looked out and I was like, oh my God, because it's not like TV where you can't see who you're talking to. to. Yeah. Your voice at IMS is booming out over 400,000 plus people and you are looking at them, but it was so cool. I was part of the hundredth running of the Indianapolis 500. So cool. Which, um, 
by chance too, I was also a 500 festival princess on the hundredth anniversary of the first running. So it's two different things because they took a break during the world wars. Oh, that's right. Okay. So like 2011 was the hundredth anniversary, that's right. whereas yeah. 2016 was the hundredth running. Um, so anyway, it was just so cool. This has been in your blood. What yeah. you said since you were nine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. it was just so cool to be part of that and hear your voice because it echoes, you know, you talk and then you hear yourself a few seconds later. Yeah. So it was just so cool to experience that. And my family was there. They were up high in turn three. Um, so it was really great experience. I am so excited about you and your future. I know you're in oh, that place where you're you. thinking, oh my gosh, what's <laughs> happening? But I, when I hear the passion that you have for this sport and how you're going to take that passion and show all these young girls what's possible, I get super excited about it. Today is a high wave. <laughs> yeah. Today is so Well, you know what? Let's yeah. end the whole episode on a high wave. So there yes. you go. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. And again, please go out and follow along with Fuel the Female and let's support this badass. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. I'm not coming down. Let's rally round and support Katie in this adventure for Fuel the Female. I hope you'll go check out the website and anything that you can do to be a support. I think you should do it. The next thing I think you should do is subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. And if you have, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome to leave a review. And as always, share with your other badass friends. Okay. Reflection question of the week. Do you need to give yourself permission to discover more about your gifts and talents and what could be next in your career? Is there something coming up that you might want to explore that you might need to let go of the idea that this, what you're doing right now, is the thing? I don't know. Maybe not. Just something to think about. That's what we're here for, reflection and connection. As always, thanks so much for being here. And if you need some coaching or a keynote speaker, someone to facilitate something for your team, I'm your girl. Make it a great day. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not